Hey guys, my name is Emma Mack, and you are listening to the Getting to Know God podcast. Most of you guys don't know me. I am 25 years old, and I live in Texas. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a speaker. This is just from my personal study and what I've learned. I just want to strengthen my relationship with God and lead others to do the same. So that's where I'm at, and hopefully you'll take this ride with me. So after listening to the last podcast, I really feel like it wasn't complete, and I feel like I need to finish it, if that makes sense. I feel like my thoughts were really scattered. I was trying a new way of outlining, and I don't think that it did me any favors. So anyway, so this one is going to be kind of a part two. And I really just want to focus on unrealistic expectations versus realistic expectations and being able to tell the difference. Okay, so I want you to think about a relationship that you have where there are expectations. It could be a significant other. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. When you have unrealistic expectations that aren't met, some of the feelings that come out of that are like frustration, anger, you're feeling unproductive, you're feeling unsatisfied, you're thinking a lot about what should have happened. There's also a lot of disappointment. Sometimes if you're feeling these unmet expectations towards yourself, you'll be self-belittling and you'll have negative thoughts. I mean, you can also have negative thoughts towards others. I do want to add in here that Some statistics I saw were that 80% of expectations are just assumed. If you really think about it, have you ever sat down and talked to your significant other or friend or family member about the expectations that you have in this relationship? Answer is probably not. And if you did, it wasn't all of them. So in my research, the biggest thing that I've found to kind of test your expectations against is the question, Does it leave room for grace? Like I talked about on Monday, for example, parents expect their kids to clean their room every night before they go to bed. That doesn't really fit the realistic expectation because it doesn't leave room for grace. I hope you get what I'm saying. I hope I'm making sense. So this would be a really great thing to like write down and go through the emotions that I listed and think about where you're feeling these emotions in your life and writing it out and figuring out what relationships or if it's just with yourself and to compare it with these things right here. So the first one is that your expectation is in line with scripture. And that is a great way to test almost anything. One time a friend told me that, you know, if you're hearing the voice of God, or at least you think you are, if you compare it to scripture, that will tell you whether or not it is. Because if it's in line with scripture, then yes, it is. If it's not in line with scripture, mm, it's the enemy. Another one is the time frame. Like, is this a realistic time frame? And if it's not a realistic time frame, do you need to extend the time frame or do you just need to take the time frame away altogether? The next one is grace, which goes in with the other question that I asked about leaving room for grace. It needs to include room for grace because we're all humans. We make mistakes. Nobody's perfect except Jesus. The next one is to even ask if it's possible. Like one of your expectations is that you become a doctor, but you haven't gone to medical school. Probably can't be a doctor until you go to medical school. So if you don't want to go to medical school, that's not a possible expectation of yourself. Now, if someone else has that expectation of you, throw that out the window, especially if you don't want to go to medical school. That's a weird example. I'm sorry. So the next one is if you are making someone be someone that they aren't. If you're allowing them to be themselves in your expectation, that it's more likely going to be a realistic expectation. 
And the last one is to allow for God's plan, which to me kind of means make it flexible, that there's a looser time frame or broader expectation. This list is also good with comparing what other people expect of you, because then you can know whether or not it's even possible and how you should feel about it. Like if someone expects you to make dinner for them every night when you get home from work, mm, is that possible? No, it's not. I should have prefaced this by saying that make sure that you're praying about this and listening for God. He will show you what is realistic and what is unrealistic. You just got to trust that he will show you in his time. Talk with your significant other, friend, or family member about the expectations and just start the conversation. It should benefit your relationship in the long run. So as you're going through this and praying about it and listening for God, make sure that you can try and find someone to talk to that you can trust and can help you see these things from another point of view. Having that relationship is important, and I think that it can help you to realize the things that you can't see. So I'm going to go through and list a few expectations that you and your significant other or family member or friend can talk about and just be able to discuss the expectation that you have versus the one that they have. So for husband and wife or maybe significant others, some expectations are like time together, home responsibilities, prayer and Bible devotions and studying together, even like sexual relationship and money management. So for like parent and child expectations, there's stuff like chores, television time. Is it called screen time now? Um, church attendance, the clothing that you wear, the time you have to be home by, your homework, use of the car, stuff like that. Okay, so another good one to think about is like employer to employee or like coworker to coworker. So there's like work life balance, money, education, training, mentoring, confidentiality, punctuality, and even like how you dress at work. But I just want you to like take those expectations to be able to talk with whoever you need to talk with through these expectations so that there can be some ground rules laid and your 80% of assumed expectations can go way down. So also in the last episode, I talked about what God expects of us and what wasn't listed in that scripture. But I also talked about like correcting another believer. And I just want to read that scripture and talk about that a little bit. So this is Matthew 18, 15 through 20. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If that person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So the reason I wanted to talk about this is because in the scripture it says, if another believer sins against you, not in general, against you. So if they steal something of yours or lie to you or, you know, whatever, they sin against you, then to go and privately pointed out to them and be like, hey man, you stole my 20 bucks. Like, that's not cool. 
And then if they're like, I didn't steal your 20 bucks, then you go and bring more people with you. But the important thing is that if another believer sins against you, Y-O-U-U. Now, this is not saying that if you know someone who's gay or whatever, you don't go to them and be like, hey, you don't need to be gay. It says in the Bible, it's a sin because they did not sin against you. I just really need to say that out loud. And that's that. Especially someone you don't know very well. Now, if it's your best friend and you can feel like you can have that conversation, then that's maybe another story. But don't be going up to people that you don't really know and saying, oh, you're gay. You need to turn away and repent. That is none of your business. Mind your business and pray for them, please. So a good thing to do would be instead of trying to go up to them and tell them how to change their lives, pray for them. Okay, so we're going to end this episode with a little study with me, and I'm going to do Psalms 91. So first, I'm just going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to go verse by verse. Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. I am going to go through these little sections of verses and kind of talk about what I got out of it. I probably won't read word for word the verse, but I'll try to give you like an idea of what it says because you literally just heard it. So the first little section is verses one and two, and that talks about like living in the shelter of the most high and finding rest in the shadow of the almighty and that God is our refuge and my place of safety. And to me, I really heard God telling me to hide myself in him and to look for him for shelter and protection and that he will give me rest. Next are verses three and four. And that basically says that he will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. He will cover us with his feathers and he will shelter us with his wings. And that his faithful promises are our armor and protection. I feel like this set of verses is very relatable these days with the pandemic and everything. And to me, this just tells me that he will rescue me from everything and he will cover me with his promises. So the next set of verses is five and six, and it says, don't be afraid of terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flees in the day. Don't dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. 
And these also are very relevant. But I kind of understood to not be afraid of earthly things. Like, don't be afraid of the disease. If it's your time, it's your time. If it's not your time, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. But if it is your time, you're going to be with Jesus. And that may be better. So verses 7 and 8 talk about the wicked falling and dying around you. And that the evil cannot touch you. And I think it's important to like stay away from evil and that doing the right thing will be the best option in the long run. So I am going to do verses 7 through 13 altogether. I did section them off into two different sections, but I feel like verse 11 kind of merges them together. And I'm just going to read this one. It says, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. To me, this basically says, if you find your refuge and shelter in the Lord, nothing will harm you. He will send his angels to protect you, and they will support you while you face your trials and defeat the enemy. I think it's important to point out here that it talks about they will support you while you face the trials, not that they will face them for you. So the last section is 14 through 16. And the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. And what the Lord says, I think is really important. He says that he will rescue and protect those who love and trust him. He will be with us through everything and he will reward us with salvation. So that was the last of Psalm 91. Let me know what you think. If you want to do more of these, I would love to. So that is it for this week. Please follow me on Instagram at getting to know God podcast. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The more reviews we get, the more likely people are to come across our podcast. And I got my first review and I am so excited. It was such a blessing to read. And that's the reason I'm doing this whole thing is just to help everyone else and also myself. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys on Monday.